with that 96 years of experience, we know what works. And what works is creating an environment where people can share for the purpose of excelling or excelling to be able to create an environment where people trust each other. We're not locking doors. We're not worried about somebody going to scoop a scoop a listing to create an environment where there is such a degree of respect that, you know, you know, you're, you're always kept in line by somebody here. But the bigger reality is we know it's about connections. To the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home. But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and brutal competition. And there, in the midst of it all, stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate. And we've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm Jessica Edgerton. And I'm Billy Ikofo from Leading Real Estate Companies of the World. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. On this episode of the Million Dollar Podcast, our guest will be Kristen Bosley, President and Broker of Record at Bosley Real Estate. With a passion for creativity and ingenuity and a commitment to innovation, she is determined to steer the business in a new direction and ensure the brokerage remains influential in the market and a top producing firm while continuing to develop highly capable industry professionals. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Kristen Bosley, welcome to the Million Dollar Podcast. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Billy. Thanks so much for having me today. I couldn't pass the opportunity to having the illustrious Kristen Bosley as a guest to our amazing Leading Aria podcast. And so whatever chance I could get to get you to talk, I wanted to take it. So I'm glad we could work this out. Thank you for making the time. I appreciate this. And so ready to jump into it. I I don't I, I don't think the world is ready, but you know, <laughs> this is this is what we hear. I don't know, so. you hype me up, Billy. I don't know. <laughs> I might just yeah, well, before thinking, you know. Listen, I have to I have to start with this one because when was the last year's conference? You were on stage in the main, the main leading our stage, and I think up until that moment, I think people were familiar with you as a name, right? But I don't think they've heard you like making comment on certain things in the industry. And so now they did. And literally, I, I wish I was making this stuff up. People in the hallway was like, who is this Kristen Bosley? It's like, and then I felt really proud because I was like, look, if you didn't know her, now you do. So now the, you raised the bar when you were on stage in many conference. So now this is just a continuation of your awesomeness. And I'm excited for it. So, Well, I very much appreciate the opportunity, Billy. And I will tell you that in Toronto, they call me the Pokeroo of real estate. Because uh, everybody knows of me and very few people know me. So, <laughs> hey, well, you know, uh, look, I always say if you need the truth to be told to you in a loving manner, go to Kristen. You know, she has a way of, we don't mince words here. Like, she never circ- circumvent anything that needs to be addressed. And that's one of the reasons, among other things, I appreciate you. But today's topic, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit because I think you're personal background and your personal journey in this in this industry is one to be basically talked about for I don't know hours on end but we don't have that much time so we're going to focus on a little bit so tell the people 
right? Like you actually grew up in real estate. I think that makes you yeah. like one of the very few people to do it. I grew up in real estate. And to your point about talking about it hours on end, like so much therapy. So, <laughs> so there we go. This is what I was saying. Um, I absolutely grew up in real estate. And, you know, up until probably third year university, fourth year university, I was not only did I grow up in it, I worked in it. I lived and breathed it with my parents. And I had absolutely zero interest in going into it, uh, so much so that I was fully intending on going to law school. I was really interested in criminology and being a criminal lawyer. And I'm so thankful today that I didn't do that. Um, but, you know, for people who don't know my story, and I'm sure there are many, you know, my dad basically tricked me into uh, determining <laughs> whether or not I was actually going to do this. It did, in fact, work. I was licensed uh, by the time I graduated university. I took the summer off and then I started sales in 2007. Wow. Yeah. And so here we go, here 2007. We go. And, and so, how many years is that? Yeah, I don't, uh, too many to count, Billy. <laughs> you know, but that, I had worked my way up through the company, right? I think the only department in the company that I have not worked in, quite thankfully for everybody here, is accounting. Uh, and so I really understood like the inner workings, but more to the point, I really understood the expectations of the agents in terms of service staff at a very, very young age. And then, and then I had, you know, that 12 to 15 years in sales where I was like, oh, I understand this motivation for why an agent's demanding this at this time or the stress levels that happen when you're not quite ready for a listing presentation or your marketing materials aren't ready because the printer's broken, you know, all of that kind of came together to fruition. And then in addition to that, both of my parents were in real estate. It wasn't just like, you know, my dad owned the company and he did the tour and, you know, worked at all points relocation, was on the board there. You know, both of my parents did the tour. My mom was president of the Canadian Association, you know, when the Competition Bureau was after us and FinTrack was being implemented. So it was a really interesting way to grow up because my parents are so polar opposite uh, in terms of how they, how they view the world and their perspectives and the way that they operate. Uh, and it's so funny. I can't tell you, you know, how many times people have said to me, I have never met somebody who was so distinctly 50, 50, their mom and dad. So I, I have really, you know, taken those two sides and, and put them together. And it seems to be working on most days. Well, and that's all you need, you know, yes. uh, uh, so let me let's dive deeper into the the background there because it's rare that you have someone with that kind of a background, right? Like you, you know, people come in in the industry from different. You know, I, I do something else. You know, myself as, as an example, like I wanted to be in the film industry, and then lo and behold, I ended up in real estate. Right? It wasn't something that I really banked on doing, but like you, literally, <laughs> were birthed into this industry and. I think it, you probably seen some things, you know, from being a sales agent, right. To now being the president of the brokerage. Right. So I, I want people to kind of grasp on this because I think this is what makes Kristen Bosley such a unique person, you know, and I'm not saying this because, you know, we work together and, you know, we have a pretty good relationship, but I, I, I honestly believe, you know, you've seen markets, <laughs> you've seen things being implemented, gone away. And that's a perspective that's not given to everybody, right? 
Yeah. I mean, I remember the days when like we didn't have an MLS system online. Like I was just a child, but I worked at the front desk, you know, ripping the listings out. I remember the panic that ensued about, oh, the internet, you know, it feels kind of reminiscent to OAI, right? (laughs) Like, And yeah, I was really young, but I was really part of kind of the revolution of the company over the years. And it has changed quite dramatically. And what I will say is I think the biggest difference with me as broker owner is, you know, a lot of leaders I find um, are either really good at leading or really good at sales. Right. And. Okay. So uh, hold on a minute. So now we're getting to the meat of it. So it can't be both. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying they can't be both. I'm just in my experience. Yes. You're either exceptional at one or the other. It's very rare to find somebody who can round it out. So I think for me, what my agents really gravitate towards is I'm a salesperson. I sell them the dream of, you know, what they're going to get here at Bosley, which is, you know, in my unbiased opinion, all of the amazing things that we have to offer. But uh, I also am really realistic. So when they're having a problem with sales, I can say quite clearly to them, listen, as broker of record, no, you may not do that. As somebody who needs to problem solve, Let's talk about three or four different ways that we can perhaps skirt that to properly represent your client in the way that they're asking you to represent. And I'm not saying skirt as in like, oh, we're not going to abide by the code of ethics. Like my father wrote the code of ethics. We are the, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we have yeah. so much integrity. That was a dinner conversation in your house. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like we have so much integrity. That's not what it's about, but it's about helping the agents find creative solutions from somebody who did it for so many years and didn't just do it to get experience. I did it because I'm a highly competitive person. And because if I'm going to jump into something, I'm going to do it with both feet and failure is not an option. So, and I didn't get handed anything by Tom and Ann. You know, I say to this day, like people, you know, people are like, Oh, four generations, God, no pressure. Right. And I'm like, yeah, no pressure at all. They're like very strong shoulders. But they taught me, right? Like they never handed anything to me on a silver platter. I built my entire business cold calling. I earned my stripes. I did it in the bullpen with 50 people watching me. You know, it was it was a really, while I disliked my parents immensely, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a process that needed to happen, not only for me to genuinely learn how to build a business, but also to earn my stripes with the agents. So let's talk a little bit about that, right? So what is it, not one thing, but like from being a salesperson to the president of the brokerage, what have you seen when you started as a salesperson that in the industry that kind of changed things that remain constant or things that improved in a general sense? I think my answer might be a little bit disheartening. If I'm going to be totally honest, in the time that I From 2007 to today, I would say, in the time that I've truly been ingrained in the sales and brokerage side of the business, I believe that the thing that is truly disheartening to me is that really not much has changed. All right. So (laughs) So I would say of the thing, of the the one thing that comes to mind, I would say the advent of of social media and digital marketing uh, and the requirement for realtors to be, you know, your therapist, your professional marketer, your stager, your, you know, all of that. Certainly there's been competition in the realm of commission, but 
I mean, the basics are the basics and you still need to do them to be successful in the business that you're working within. Is it a point of frustration to you that not much has changed in that regard? Or do you see that as still an opportunity to change the industry? I think it's a great opportunity. And I think that the problem is, is that our business is full predominantly. The people who are most successful at our business do understand that it's because of the basics. And so they're slightly unwilling to go into a new direction because then they'll lose sight of the basics, which makes total sense. But when I look at, um, you know, the big brokerages in Toronto, many of the broker owners and presidents have been doing things the same way for 20, 30 years, right? And are completely paralyzed by the thought of doing anything differently. And, you know, I had, I had this conversation with one of my right hands the other day is, you know, how do you take a 96-year-old company? Like Bosley is 96 years old. How do you just overnight change the way that we've been doing things for 96 years, right? Like, and so for me- Can you do, like, can you do that? Right, or is that the challenge, right? I think that's the challenge. I think we can absolutely do it. I think it's all about change management and transparency with your agents, the way it's transparency with your customer. I think we can absolutely do it. But I think that there are very few people that want to take on that challenge or have the energy to take on the challenge or the desire to want to see it out into the long haul. To follow up to that, so you say 96 years in existence, right? So and this is, this is where Billy goes in, into a little bit of a you know, promotion. When you look at, you know, to me, like age is relative to some extent. Being able to say that we've been... we. <laughs> you know, almost a century old company, like there is some allure to that, right? So in an industry that's, that prides itself with new innovation, new technology, new models, to have one that's literally tried and true brokerage and still remain, there is something appealing about this for me, right? Um, but I, I'm not, you know, I'm not your typical person out there, right? But like, I'm looking at this from an agent perspective, right? So of all the choices that I have in the market, being able to see that a company lasted this long and has been thriving, right? So that's the other component to it. Like to, to be able to last, that's one thing, but to thrive, that's something else entirely different. Like to me, that should cause a little bit of security. Why do you think, you know, and, and I know, you know, your market is interesting. Toronto is, is interesting in, in that sense. Because you have just like a hodgepodge of just about every other brand in the market. What makes Bosley such a compelling place to be for an agent? I don't know. That was a soft. <laughs> you're going to get you my know. sales pitch here, Billy. That's it. Like, well, if you're going to sell me Bosley, like that, you already sold me on the fact that you remain, you know, you are there. You've been uh-huh. there. You're here and you still will be here. So. so listen, this is what I tell people. I mean, besides the fact that we're a privately owned multi-generational company where you can get an answer in a half an hour, uh, which really appeals to a lot of people, I think the reality behind your comments, Billy, is we've not always thrived, right? Like you look at the Blacks photography and the life cycle of their, you know, family business and the ups and downs, and then all of a sudden to expiration, right? And so I believe that where we have truly been privileged in a family company is that by the time you come to that life cycle close to expiration, it's typically time for that company to be succeeded to the next generation. And that next generation has had an opportunity 
a fairly hands-off opportunity from the previous generation to really create whatever they feel is the future of that business. And I think that it's that consistent rejuvenation of energy that has really allowed us to continue moving forward. You know, in full transparency, like we had a tough time with this succession because my dad was ready and I wasn't. Uh, And we had somebody in between who didn't understand our values, didn't understand what the company was about, didn't understand the very basis of what needed to be maintained to be Bosley. And so we really suffered. We lost a lot of agents. We lost a lot of profit. And uh, and I finally stepped up and said, you know, like, I've got to do this. It doesn't matter that I'm ready. I have two little kids at home and, you know, it's the company or it's me or if I want to do it, you know, now's the time. So I got up there and decided I was going to do it. I had no idea what I was doing. But, but the reality is I had the fundamentals. And it really doesn't matter, you know, what the company looks like today versus what it's going to look like 10, five years from now, right? Because the reality is with that 96 years of experience, we know what works. And what works is creating an environment where people can share for the purpose of excelling or excelling to be able to create an environment where people trust each other. We're not locking doors. We're not worried about somebody going to scoop a scoop a listing to create an environment where there is such a degree of respect that, you know, you know, you're, you're always kept in line by somebody here, but the bigger reality is we know it's about connections. You know, like I can look at any one of my agents outside my door and tell you what their children's names are, what they're going through personally, how they endured COVID, what their parents are like, you know, like we actually care about people the way that we expect our agents to care about them. And so whether, you know, we're a fee for service company or a full service company or somewhere in between, or, you know, we're not going to work with buyers or we're only going to work with listings, like who knows what the future holds, but the reality is the fundamentals of how much we truly care about our people, of how genuine and authentic and transparent we are with them, those don't go away no matter what business model you have. And people trust in that leadership and they trust that that leadership is going to survive. So I love the fact that you just went with the people aspect of it, because I think sometimes that's the issue in our industry. We're so focused on the, don't get me wrong, I love sales. I love the thrill that you get from there, but behind every sale to me, at least when I was selling, there was a person there. And so at some point you have to make a decision. Is the, you know, is the, the individual behind this worth more than what I'm about to get in terms of the commission? At the time it was, you know, <laughs> to your point, it's like, look, I have a family, I have things to do, like, and you're so driven to try to go after the dollar. And then at some point you, your mind is like, look, you need to back away because you can't go that route. It's all about the way you care for the people. And it never failed, in my opinion, or at least my experience, every time I made the choice to care about people, profit came right so after it. Like, so much better. Yeah. And you have, you have um, trust, right? And I don't want to say loyalty because I think loyalty is kind of a tough word to use these days. But you have, you have a, a trust in one another that... You know, I, I said to my people the other day, so listen, transition's coming, guys. And I feel really privileged to be in this position. And I feel really privileged that you guys are going to stick with me as we go through it. But here's the thing. We're going to fail. You guys are going to fail. And we're going to support each other to learn from it and move on. Right? Like, because if you're not trying new things, then what's the point? 
what's the point? And nobody knows how it's going to turn out, right? So you all just have to kind of buy in it together and say, listen, we're going to come out better for it, but we're going to treat each other as humans and be honest about how it's going, what's working, what's not, what's not working. One of our esteemed deans at Leading RE, Mike Staver, shares a story about um, one time he was on a plane um, traveling, and I forget the to and from location, but as they were in the clouds, you know, 10,000 feet or whatever it was, the pilot came on board uh, on, the, on the speaker and said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to enter a very turbulent um, portion of this travel. Uh, it, it's going to be rough. But make no mistake, between myself and the co-pilot and, you know, whoever in the cockpit, we have a combined, I think it was like 25 years of 30 years of experience. We're going to get you through it, right? But it's not going to be pleasant, uh, but we're going to get you through it. And sure enough, and he, you know, he shares the story and it reminds me a little bit about what you're sharing, just being upfront and honest with the people you care about. Letting them know right from the look, something is coming. It's not going to be pleasant, but listen, this is what we're here for. A privilege to service you. Second, you have the experience and the competency, or we have the experience and the competency to lead you through this turbulent time, and we're going to come out on top. You know, we're going to we're going to be on the other side. So I love that. Yeah, and I think just to add on to that, it also doesn't have to be unpleasant. Right. Like it's only unpleasant because humans don't like change. It could also be exciting. Right. So I think it just comes down to how you prepare people and how you get ready for that change management and what you're prepared to do. But, you know, I think that um, I think this is a business where support really matters to the agents. And I think that you there are many people in my position, similar to agents with their clients that view agents as a commodity uh, or an asset and not, and not a human. Right. And that's just not what we are here to do. I appreciate that you saying that because I think one of the things, and we can talk about it at, at nauseum at some other point, uh, maybe second part to this conversation to talk about, you know, failures in leadership when you just see people as assets, as opposed to actual people, um, it conditions you to do certain things that you shouldn't be doing. So, um, all right, let me jump to something else. So former agent, what do you think are some of the common pitfalls you see agents make, right? So you, you were selling, now you're in a position of leadership, you still work with agents day in and day out. What are the things that <laughs> makes you scratch your head and you're like, guys, you can't be doing this? Yeah. I mean, honestly, Billy, I have a lot of them. Uh, but I would just start by saying- All right, well, give me like the, your top three. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'd like to just start by saying that I think that this business, if you are successful at it, has the ability to really change you and not not for the better. Uh, Like, I think that money really gets in people's psyche and, you know, all of a sudden they believe they're millionaires and they've just had kind of one good year. So I would say the biggest pitfall, in my opinion, is maintaining your ego in check and understanding that, hey, guys, we're just here to help people find new homes. Right. Like. Just because you run a mega team or you're a mega agent or you're number one in the firm doesn't mean that you're, you know, your head should be able to fit through the door. I'm just saying. Okay. Mm. So, uh, so that's. Yeah. Well, 
I think that that pitfall to me is a big one because there's a lot of money to be made in this business if you're efficient and you know good at what you do. And I think that I have seen that. That is the one consistent thing I have seen time and time again through my tenure in this business is that that type of money does tend to really change people. So that's number one. My other one that's happening all the time right now that is just grinding my gears is uh, that waiting, you know, planning to wait, waiting for something to happen. I, oh, I'm not going to make those calls because I'm waiting for this event so that I can call them. I'm not going to do that business plan because I'm waiting until January. Or I'm not going to go door knocking because I'm waiting for it to come to MLS. Like just stop waiting, honestly, like just do it. You know, I, I had a meeting today about AI and I showed a video and one of the agents was like, well, don't you think that AI is going to auto create all the same information for everybody? And I was like, maybe. But I can guarantee you that only 1% of people, if that, are actually going to do it. So does it matter? (laughs) Like, you can only lead people so far until they actually do it. But there's so many people waiting, waiting for the market to change, waiting for the interest rates to come down. You know, like, that's definitely a very bad practice as an independent contractor who is fully dependent on market conditions, right? If you're waiting to contact your database, you're going to wait yourself right out of business. So... I'd say that's number two. And I would say number three is failing to recognize that you are actually running a business. Um, Oh, that's a big one. All right. uh, And I see it all the time, right? Like the agents and we're not immune. You know, we all have top agents who make tons of money who are just fortunate that people just come to them and that's really great. But then you hit a time like this and you suggest to them, hey, what's your budget looking like this year? What are your numbers at? you know, what do you have in the pipeline? And there's like this glazed over look, like, do I know that? What do you mean? (laughs) Like, come on, guys, you're an entrepreneur, you're running a business, like these metrics matter. Well, so it's interesting you mentioned this, because I think the the last podcast uh, I had with a, you know, mutual friend of ours, Lindsay Smith, with CIR, and we're talking about this very thing. And I made this, you know, I made the bold claim to say, look, I think sometimes the brokerages don't do agents justice because we don't emphasize on that point that at the end of the day, you are running a business. You should operate this as a business, right? And so, you know, not so much that, look, go sell, make a lot of money and life is grand in real estate, but like we need to take it upon ourselves to educate them. I may have been wrong in this approach, but I honestly believe part of the brokerage is to reinforce that message. What say you? Uh, well, I can imagine Lindsay's reaction when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be listening to this and like, ah, oh, here we go. Okay. Well, you know, if you want to go back to the sales pitch, uh, our commission splits, for example, are, are pretty high. Like it costs a lot of money to work here. We're a quality brand and you pay for quality. And when people say to me, well, you know, I can go and get a, a 60-40 or 50-50 split there and they give me my leads. My response is always, well, that's great. You know, you should go and do that. But at Bosley, we teach you how to run a business. We teach you that you are running a business. We teach you how to run that business. We teach you how to grow that business. We teach you how to sustain that business. And then we teach you how to succeed it so that you have passive income for the next 10 years. That's how we view your business. But if you want to go to, you know, one of our competitors and get a 
online lead that has a 3% conversion rate, by all means, like go for it. If even, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're exceptional at it. So, right. uh, so yeah, I mean, that that is absolutely one of the things. And I'll tell you the people who are gravitating towards it the most are the people who have been in the business for three to eight years, who have only just discovered that they don't have the work-life balance, that they want to grow, but they don't have the systems in place. And oh, by the way, what is this business I'm running? <laughs> right? Those people are really gravitating towards that. You know, come to Bosley. We're going to tell you how to run your business and we're going to show you how to retire from this business. Because when I first took over, we had four agents who were legacy agents. We're 96 years old, right? They'd been in the business for 38 years. They were a team. They each individually came in and they were like, oh, we're retiring. We're done. And I was like, what? What's happening with your book of business? What's going What? What are you talking about? Oh, no, we couldn't we can be bothered. We, you know, we're done. Like, we're just, we're done. And I was like, I can't believe how much passive income you're giving up <laughs> for the next five years. So we changed that immediately. And now they're happy. And now they're happy. Yeah. Exactly. Now, it's, it, I, look, I... I think Lindsay, you and Lindsay followed in the same camp when it comes to sort of the brokerage, you know, and I put this in quotation mark, responsibility, right? To to really infuse or, you know, really teach the agents that this is not just a, you going on the street and helping people buy, you know, buy a home or sell the house and, you know, make a lot of money. And like, this is a way for you to really build something special, Right. And really look at real estate as a conduit for it, right? As opposed to any other industry, like there's a car, you know, you, the autom- automotive industry is there. You know, some other industry, you can be an independent contractor. But there's something special about this industry that really gets to the core of the humanity of it, right? Like actually helping people and the financial independence of it, right? Like looking to build an actual, <laughs> like a nice little nesting egg after you you, you know, you retire. And so um, to me, that what you share, that's what needs to be said. Um, and the fact that, you know, like I said, maybe I'll get off my soapbox now, but some brokerages just don't say that enough. Well, and I think that's part of the problem. So the reality is, is that Lindsay and I are members of Leading RE because Leading RE only has quality brands. Listen, so, like, I, I, hey, I love this. You know, we, we try our best. Um, but I appreciate you both. I'm sure that all of your brokerages will be doing the same thing. Oh, they better after listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know, they know we're coming after them. Um, let me jump to something. I know we talked about brokerages, responsibilities, sort of your view on the industry, uh, a little bit about, you know, what agents should focus on, you know, or what they, they tend to mess up on. What is it actually something that you see other agents do well you know, like what, what are some things that they need, you know, they're doing well now and it's time and tested and they should keep doing it. Okay. So I don't think, you know, you take the commission lawsuits, you take AI, you take the internal strife in our industry right now. To me, it's just noise. It's just noise. And I think the reality is Yes, there are going to be changes, but if you are doing what you should be doing to maintain your business, which is contacting your database 24 times a year at a minimum and offering value to that database, it doesn't matter where the industry goes. 
you're going to have those contacts in that database to fall back on to keep your business moving. And yes, we're all going to have to adapt our business. But the reality is there's nothing to adapt if you don't have any clients. So to me, whether you're maintaining that database through digital automation, through you know social media platforms, through a phone call twice a year, whatever it is you're doing, if you're not top of mind, you know, 24 to 26 times a year, you know, somebody else is going to come in and scoop them nine times out of 10. So I would say that regardless of the advent of anything that's transpired, if anything, what's transpired over the last 10, 15 years should be used as a tool to help the agents maintain that database, not as a replacement for that connection. And so the agents that I see doing really well right now, who have had, you know, in Toronto, our markets dropped like 30 to 40%, right? But some of our top agents, they're only dropping 10 to 15%. Why is that? Because they're spending 90% of their time on the phone with their database. And whenever I say the phone, everyone's like, ooh, (laughs) and it's like, what is that thing? You know, I had one agent in particular who's a very well-known agent and, and I said that in a meeting and he said, oh, I just text people. And I said, oh, that's funny. Listen, if you texted me, do you think that I'm going to tell you that I'm about to, you know, have a mortgage renewal in two months? Do you think that I'm going to tell you that, you know, my husband's sick or that I have to change school districts? Do you think I'm going to have like life changing conversations with you over text message? No, I'm not. I'm just not. I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually quite young. <laughs> <laughs> and I still know that those conversations happen in person or over the phone. Yeah, I mean, you have to take the time to invest in people. And sometimes, you know, and and this is a lesson that my my boys are finding really hard. You know, it's sometimes, look, it's better if you just call your friend (laughs) for like five minutes and then solve things. It's like, well, we keep, you know, he doesn't understand what I'm saying over text. I'm like, well, that's not supposed to be the case. If you need to talk to them, pick up the phone and call. Just like you need to call me and your mother. <laughs> I don't do well when my kid is like texting me like, a, you know, I'm one of his friends from high school. I'm like, no, we're, we're not in that type of relationship. Like, I need, I need you to pick up the phone and call. But you're right. Like, good, you know, life-changing things are not addressed over it, such a, you know, removed connector like a text message. Um, it requires you to actually invest time to getting to know people. and give him, you know, in a world that's hugely disconnected, being able to bring him back to actually, no, I, I really want to hear from you. That's what I'm calling. Uh, and the fact that the phone call right now is like the, the thing that makes you stand out. That's interesting to me. You know, I think it is because I think that everybody has fears, concerns, pain points, something going on in their life whether it's in relation to the economy or to interest rates or to their job or their family they're not going to share that in over email, maybe over email, if you're close to them to begin with, but you're not going to get a full picture. And the reality is in markets like this, those are the motivating factors for people who actually are going to make a move. It's not that I would like to buy a cottage right now. Like that's not motivating anybody, right? You're going to run around with that buyer for three years until they decide that's ready, right? Uh, so I think it's really, I think the people who are really succeeding are the people who have put that first and foremost. And I don't see that changing amongst any of the other noise. That's coming. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a little bit about the, the, 
the Toronto market for people who are not familiar with it? Like what's happening there now? Yeah, what's the lay of the land? It's super interesting. So, I mean, our stats have just come out. Our sales have been the lowest sales that we've seen in the history of TRAB in both September and October. Uh, our listings year over year are up quite significantly, but month over month, they're kind of steadily climbing. Um, you know, I don't think we're immune like anybody else, but the interesting part is that our average price continues to climb. Now, we do have some government regulation that might be coming into play with that, but in my opinion, not so much to really have that happen. I think what's happening is we're seeing the higher end market selling everything off, right? Like you can search for luxury vehicles online and it's unbelievable how much there is right now, right? So I think we're seeing similar things with real estate uh, and those higher price points are keeping the average price up. But the reality is in Toronto, I personally believe it's a great time to move up uh, because first time properties are still selling. They're not selling like 2021, but if you're a reasonable person who understands that the market is a market, the spread between your first and second home right now is lower than we've seen in years. And, and if you can do, you know, a one to two year fixed mortgage with the expectation that, you know, the rates have got to come down in the next two to three years, you know, you're in a pretty good position. So to me, I get, again, it's kind of like the opportunity, right? Do you want to come from a place of abundance uh, and see the opportunity? Or are you going to operate out of, a, out of fear? And I think we're seeing that in the market too. Which leads me to my next question, right? Do you still think there's opportunity in the real estate industry? Yes. All right. How so? Oh, well, I can't give all my trade secrets away. Well, look, <laughs> just give one or two, you know, like you got to give me something. Listen, I think it's going to take a while for any potential change to filter through. I have been watching very closely uh, what's been going on in the U.S. We do have a very similar class action case here. I think the biggest difference, and I'm not a member of NAR, so I can say whatever I want, but <laughs> I think the biggest difference is that ours has been in the in the courts for you know at least two years probably even getting closer to four and our associations have actually rewritten our entire code of conduct to get ahead of it so uh for us in canada the biggest change is actually going to come on december 1st in ontario i'm going to talk specifically about ontario because that's my market um where our entire code of conduct and, and way we trade will be changing so I think there's tons of opportunity to be able to really educate our agents on, you know, greater transparency with our buyers on demonstrating value. You know, there's 78,000 realtors in Toronto. Surely our realtors should be able to maintain a full service value prop. But really the opportunity to me lies in getting our own people to truly understand what it is they do. Right. And it's amazing how many people have done something successfully for some time. And it's just kind of like the paperwork's a byproduct. But now the paperwork is mandatory and it has to be done up front. And you're going to have to have that value prop conversation. So I think there's tons of opportunity there. I think certainly the brokerage model has lots of opportunity for growth and adaptation and innovation. I think in I think AI is going to really change the way brokerage service offerings are provided to agents. Um, I, I think it's a really exciting time myself. This is why you're in the driver's seat now. Cause you're like, all right, I'm about to ride this wave 
you know. But I will say, Billy, like to your point about growing up in it my whole life, I've done things the same way my whole life, right? I know what works. I know what doesn't work. So I have actually acknowledged that blind spot in myself and I brought in a right hand to challenge me. And I think that that is the most uh, interesting part of the whole experience for me. No, I, I think it's great that you, you know, you saw that and you're like, look, for whatever it's coming next, I need to have someone who could, you know, challenge some of my, my thinking, you know, and, and to be honest, that's one of the things I appreciate about you because you're like, look, you know, tell me if I'm wrong or I'm not wrong. Yeah. This is why. see, this, this is the lawyer stuff coming up. Yeah. And that's it. You know, this is me and my wife. Like when we argue, I'm like, look, she wins every time. And that was before I knew she was a lawyer. And then now I'm like, ah, well, I'm doomed to just lose all the time. But you know, it, all joking aside, just having that foresight to say, look, I need someone, you know, in, in a roundabout way to help challenge some of my decision making. That's pretty mature. And I think, you know, in, in a very constant, right, like we talked about how the business has been the same, just having that little bit of feedback can actually help you maintain some consistency for success over time. And that, again, this is, I think a lot of people don't realize this about well-established companies that are on the path of innovation, you know, and not to you know, make your head big, but like, this is what I do. I just make head bigs um, or bigger. That's what you did is not given to everybody to do because sometimes we just tend to, you know, hold on to what we do, what we used to do, and no one is allowed to challenge that. Yeah. And no, I'm the polar opposite to that. And I think that's, uh, I think that's part of the interesting culture here is that I anticipate that people are going to challenge me. Uh, and, and I think it's really healthy. Like one of the things that this gentleman's really done for me is he's so curious about why my mind frame is the way it is, but it's forcing me to vocalize the Bosley difference. Right. And, you know, these are the things that can't be changed. These are the things that can be changed. And really having that dialogue, I think, is is setting us up for immense success in the future. And I'm very grateful uh, that he took a, you know, took a chance on me. So I think that's going to be really great. Well, if he took a chance on 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 you, it's someone that I, we need to meet, you know, um, we're getting close to the uh, the end of our conversation. I'm going to ask you the $1 million question. I don't know if you're ready for it, but here it is. When everything is said and done, right? What is the one thing you think agents should be focusing on at any point in their business? So we've talked about a whole lot of things and you're like, okay, from one that, you know, for me, who you used to sell to me as the president, I've seen it all. Of all the things, here's one thing you should, absolutely focus on when it comes if to an business. agent does nothing else in their day they should call 10 people and and to me it truly is as simple as that because it doesn't matter if ai can do an agreement of purchase and sale okay at the end of the day buyers need to like, trust, and respect the person that they're working with because this is the largest investment they'll ever make. And sure, there will be a very small percentage of buyers that will take advantage of AI. And sure, we can automate a ton on the buy side. But at the end of the day, 
any buyer is going to value a full service agent that's demonstrated themselves over a machine in a purchase of this magnitude. But you're not going to have that opportunity if you have not developed that relationship. And I would say the same on the listing side. To me, in my experience, the listing side is much easier to justify your value, right? Because you have statistics, you have an ability to be able to say, no, if you're going to pay me, I can tell you quite clearly, I get this much on average over the price, the average price of Treb District, right? Or whatever that is. And these are the services that are included, included. And you can monetize that very easily. Just like you can go and list your house with a 1% or $1 mere posting, the reality is, is that most people still pay for the service. You look at um, investment brokerage houses, right? The same thing happened to that business five years ago. Well, why didn't they go under? Because a lot of them maintain their clients. Why? Because their clients trust, like, and respect them. But if you don't have the relationship, why wouldn't they go and pay a lawyer $1,400 to do up that APS? Why not? You're not offering them anything of value. So I would say the connections is number one. And then obviously you have to know your market. Like you have to know your market. You have to know your product. You need to know what you're doing. Hey. Be with a brokerage that can train you. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, Look, I I can't thank you enough, uh, Kristen, for your time. I think you're doing some things amazing in the GTA. Um, it's, It's been, continues to be an honor working with you and I wish you and your team nothing but the best and I think this conversation will happen again but until then thank you for coming to the show thank you so much Billy it was an honor to be on it appreciate it we'll see you in Vegas yeah see you in Vegas (laughs) bye